Hawthorne's 2023 fixture has been released, and in what could possibly be the last podcast before Christmas, we need to react to the first 24-round season since the mid-90s. Hope you can follow the podcast from wherever you're listening, and let's get stuck into it. As you guys know, this is the Talking Hawks podcast. Make sure you are following wherever and however you are listening. And if you can jump across to YouTube and give us a subscribe there, we are less than 30 away from 1K. The climb has been an enjoyable one. And of course, you can check out maybe an interview with Jack Scrimshaw, some draft reactions, plenty going on. The presidential uh, campaign is going on at the Hawks as well. And you can check out the chats there as well. Or of course, if you're new to the podcast, we've got interviews with AFLW stars. And of course you can check out my guest, the great man, Timmy Newman himself. You can check out his Hawthorne AFLW podcast, Soaring to New Heights, which he does with Liam dominating on that platform as well. But I've got him here for the fixture episode. Timmy, how are you, mate? Going well, thanks, Daz, and yourself? Mate, I'm going well, thank you. feels like ages since we've uh, had a, a proper recorded chat like this, but I'm looking forward to it, and we're going to be coming at this from two different perspectives. Of course, you are the family man, of course, and I am just a guy in his office who talks into a microphone, so I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, it should be really good to, to discuss about the fixture. Obviously, we got a taste of it last week during the Socceroos game when it came out that we'd be playing against Essendon in round one. And then last night, one of the journalists from The Age with twitchy fingers decided it was time to release the draw, and out it came. Yeah, absolutely. I wonder if they're still employed at the moment. We might be seeing them in some Centrelink lines at The Age. So let's get stuck into it pretty quickly. We'll start with who we play twice, mate. We've got Melbourne, we've got North, and oh boy, aren't we going to talk about that in just a tick. Uh, GWS, ironically, none of them in Melbourne, but we'll talk a bit more about that, like we say. The Bulldogs, St Kilda. And Fremantle, I know that Melbourne and Freo as top six teams are perhaps not the greatest to get, but given the top six and how strong it is, I don't think we've got too much to complain about. On paper, if we just look opponents-wise, we'll talk about grounds. I'm honestly pretty happy with it. How do you feel about those opponents that we double up against? Yeah, I was really happy, uh, especially looking at, obviously, North last year down the bottom of the table, and we know that they've got a few new inclusions, one being Clarko, also Shields, Howe, Damian Munkers. Sounds like they're becoming Northorn uh, for next season. Uh, but seeing them twice, I thought, fantastic. Wonderful to have them. St Kilda, who knows what you're going to get next year. Obviously, new coach coming in, or well, an old coach is coming back again in terms of <laughs> Ross Lyon. But I actually, there was one I was hoping that I was going to see as twice, and it would have been Geelong. So next year, when we play Easter Monday, it is a Geelong home game. Would love to have seen us playing Geelong twice. So we would have got the home game as well against Geelong because we know that for those games, we do get good crowds. And considering this year, some of the home games we had at the MCG were up against boxing bouts, up against the Grand Prix. It'd be nice to get a big blockbuster against someone of the, of the caliber of Geelong to be able to draw in a bit more cash for the team. Yeah, I am with you on that, and I'll I'll play devil's advocate in a minute. But as far as the six teams goes, I genuinely believe we can beat two of the teams on that list twice, and you'll probably figure out who they are in North and GWS. 
The Melbourne one is interesting. I think the surprise of Ed Langdon being tagged by Finn McGuinness got us perhaps a bit closer. Melbourne were a bit off that day. So I, I might I might lug that one, sorry, as a, an 0 and 2 there. I think we definitely split with St. Kilda, given the fact we'll get them once at Marvel, the first game. I genuinely believe they'll smack us because there's always one middle-of-the-road bad team that Hawthorne just can't seem to play well against. If you remember, I think it was 08, it was Richmond, who were just terrible, but beat us in the back end of the year. 13, 14, 15, oh, there would have been one. Oh, no, we taught Richmond a a new one. There would be a 10. North, there you go. I know North played in a couple of prelims, but they were nowhere near us on paper. Uh, used to get us a couple of times, but I think we can go one-on-one and one with St. Kilda. The Bulldogs is an interesting one, and I'll back us to play Fremantle whenever we're not at Optus. So given those 12 games, I don't see why we can't win anywhere between four and seven of those games. Is that crazy or is that realistic? No, that's realistic. I've, I've picked us to, uh, I've predicted six out of the 12 games against those doubles that will win. And I'm usually the most optimistic person working for Talking Hawks, so it's nice to see someone else is on that optimistic bandwagon as well. I think we'll pick up two against North, uh, both of which we play in Tassie, which we'll talk about a bit later. I think we'll pick up both against GWS. They've got us down for one against St Kilda and one against the Bulldogs. If we think about the round 23 clash against the Dogs down in Tassie, when the Dogs were playing for a finals berth and we were neck and neck with them the whole way, uh, when we had two debutants in Ned Long and also Jack Saunders as well. And we pushed it. We pushed the dogs. I, I can't see us not being able to do that next year, especially with some of the high caliber draft picks that we've got in. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I don't know whether the graphic that I've got here is screwed up, but it's got our rounds 18 game against North at Marvel on the piece of paper I'm looking at. But... Might be Marvel. There we go. Okay. Um, but yeah, oh, I mean, if round one wasn't big enough uh, against the Bombers, of course, the, Reunion of 1983, the massive win over the Dons there. We don't talk about what happened in the two years after that. All that matters is we beat them first, and that's the one that counts. Uh, the Swans at the SCG North at Utah's Geelong, GWS at Norwood. Of course, the Gather Round, which I don't care what anyone says, is a horrific name uh, for that get-together. And then Adelaide at Utah's is a first six. They are all... Get to uh, your gripe, mate, because I know that you've got some things to say. But as a top six, that's looking pretty handy. But before we get into that, um, the unevenness of the draw has uh, left you and I'm sure plenty others with uh, young kids and and travel plans in a a state of chagrin at the moment. So talk me through what you're thinking and feeling uh, about the uh, draw for us, please. Yes, I've had a look. So in terms of the Victorian games, we've got uh, round one against Essendon, 3.20 on a Sunday afternoon. Now, it's a 40-year anniversary, as you said, from that 1983 grand final win. Bombers got a new coach, big occasion, two teams with a storied history who do not like each other whatsoever. Uh, and they've put us on at 3.20 in the afternoon, which is re- relatively for TV ratings. That's what they wanted. So if you're talking about being able to get members from regional Victoria able to travel in, it becomes an absolute nightmare. If you're talking about people with young families and kids, absolute nightmare so terrible timing for that one especially when that could have been given a better time slot and actually built up for that 40-year anniversary between two sides who definitely don't like each other Uh, round four against Geelong it's an away game so if we think about membership this year if you have a reserved seat so I'm a a silver member uh, I'll get six games at the MCG with my seat obviously we get the four games in Tassie but 
you have to pay to get over to Tassie. So there's another additional cost on top of that. So for that game against Geelong, where it is an away game, we have to be able, we'll have to either upgrade to get a seat designated spot or to sit in general admission. We played the Dogs 4.35 on a Saturday afternoon. So for mine, anytime you're playing Saturday afternoon 4.35 or Sunday afternoon 4.35, it's terrible timing because it either eats into you earlier in the day or it eats into your evening. So your plans are out the window, especially with families. So that means that uh, round seven and round nine, which is the Melbourne home game for us at the G, there'll be two that I won't be able to take the kids to because in terms of timing, it just does not work. We then play St Kilda at Marvel, uh, 1.45 Saturday afternoon. Not a bad time if you've got a family to, to take them to, but Marvel's a horrible stadium to go to. So, you know, you've got that to look forward to. And then round 13, we finally play uh, 1.45 Saturday afternoon against Brisbane. And I think it will be the first time we've played the Lions in front of a crowd at the MCG for a long time. So we played in 2020, just before the pandemic hit. And uh, I don't know, if, don't know if you recall, Daz, but there was no one allowed. Yeah, no one allowed in the ground. And all you could hear was the players. But as I said, if you've got a young family, so for mine, it means Evie and Penny will be able to pop along. So we'll probably get to half of the Essendon game, half the Geelong game. Uh, round 13 will probably be the first time they'll be able to sit at the MCG for all four quarters. So run me through before I think I upset a lot of Hawthorne fans, which uh, is going to be devil's advocate. It's not going to be my views entirely, but that's the way a balanced conversation works. What, why is Marvel so difficult for uh, someone with a family? I mean, I, my, I used to work at Marvel. I am in no way advocating its greatness or non-greatness, but it was as simple for me growing up. Um, when it was with my old man, we would get to Mar- well, I would get picked up from school and I was at Marvel by quarter to five because that's the role that we had with AFL Victoria. So I am completely in the dark on this. And then from there, for me, it's either been one train from Narry Warren or Frankston. Jeez, I've grown up in some good places. And it's just get off the train, get up the escalator and, and walk across. So run me through and potentially some others that might be somewhat in a similar position to mine. What, why is Marvel so difficult with a young family? Well, it's not so much the difficultness of Marvel uh, in terms of the young family. It's more the atmosphere. So for mine, when I get to take the kids to the G, the atmosphere is amazing. Even if there's – we were there the day when uh, Hawthorne played GWS and it was a GWS home game at the MCG. I think it was about 10,000 people. But there was still an atmosphere with 10,000 people. Okay. You sit at Marvel, there might be 25,000, 30,000, and it, it just feels dead. The noise doesn't travel. And I know for the, for the kids trying to get them involved as Hawthorne members and wanting them to enjoy going to the football, that's one of the things that I, I absolutely love. Uh, and the other one is uh, is about the food at the MCG. When we've gone, you usually have more more availability. There's more options available for the kids. And when you've got little kids that, you know, like chicken nuggets one day and the next day hate chicken nuggets, it's always good <laughs> to have those options on hand. Well, that's that's just not subject to kids, mate. I've gone through those phases once or twice as a <laughs> as an adult in their twenties. But no, I, I appreciate that, mate. Even though I don't obviously have that experience, I'm not going to uh, take that away. So here's the devil's advocate part here. So Hawthorne fans, before you tweet either me or Talking Hawks and say, "Daz, you're being a flog," these do not reflect my real, honest, footy opinions. This is just the conversation that we're having. So. Is the the timing mishap, which, again, is completely justifiable, is that down to a combination or a singular of these things? I have three. One, the fact that, and I hate saying this out loud, but the Hawks just aren't that good at the moment. Bottom six, sorry, fans, got to accept that. Is it two, 
having an uneven draw. We don't have 17 or 34 games, so it's not um, interchanging one year to another or we play one home, one away for the 34, which would be absolutely awesome. But let's that is my personal view. Um, and the third one is it that the priority goes to clubs based on crowd numbers and not necessarily um, membership size. Because you look at a club like Carlton, Carlton finished ninth last year, yet they'll get the most prime time, mainly because their attendance last year went up in a big, big way. What do you amount the the bad timing, if you will? What do you put that down to? Yeah, well, just to touch on the Carlton one you just spoke about. It's very interesting. Uh, Carlton received five MCG home games, but they're actually a Marvel tenant. So there's a little quirk for you in terms of the uh, the fixture. There you go, something interesting. I, I would put it down to the fact that the crowd numbers for Hawthorne haven't been great. But as I said, if you think about this season, two of our home games that we had fell when we had a world champion boxing match at Marvel Stadium. We had the Grand Prix, uh, which, you know, we have, what, 200,000 people attend uh, throughout the three days or four days of the Grand Prix. So there goes a huge amount of crowd. Uh, we played West Coast in the pouring rain. So mm-hmm. if you think about some of those home games that Hawthorne had, I think it's it's probably because of the, the crowd numbers that showed up. Not so much about the way that we played football. Yes, we're in the bottom six, but we're very entertaining to watch. And I think if you're the AFL you want to be putting on teams that are going to put on a good display. And I think that's something that we became synonymous with this season while not winning uh, as many games as we would have hoped. We're certainly playing some very good football, some very attractive football under Sam. And it's only going to get better, let me tell you. Is Taz, Does Tassie have a role to play, do you think? If those four home games are in Melbourne, you'd think at least three of them would be at the MCG. Do you think there is a, a countdown amongst fans in your position that you know Tasmania has been more amazing for the Hawks than I can put into words and deserves its probably its own show as a, a, a gratitude beyond means during the last 21 seasons. But do you, do you feel that, that there's a countdown towards when that ends and we can get um, Hawthorne back in Melbourne? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, looking at social media, especially yesterday uh, when the, the fixture came out, you could see a lot of members were pretty disgruntled. Uh, so I was saying before, the membership's risen for next season. Uh, but we still only get the six games at the MCG. You've got the four in Tassie. And I think members would be hoping uh, to see more of those games played in, in Melbourne. And obviously with the countdown to the Tassie team coming, I think there will be a, a stage where we see that reduced, hopefully not completely waived because we know that we do have 8,000 plus members in, in Tassie. They mm. certainly deserve to still get games played there. Uh, but I think sort of going into the future and obviously when the Tassie team comes in, uh, that we'll see Hawthorne's presence reduced compared to what we have now. Yeah, I think so as well. The The last thing I'll say before we get back onto the positive part of the fixture is I don't think there's an AFL conspiracy against the Hawks. They have, there are parts of the fixture every team is frustrated with, but of course, uh, we've got only the emotional investment in one club. I will give a slight dig somewhere, mate. The most ironic fan base complaining about the fixture this year I've found, especially being uh, on Reddit, has been Richmond fans. This is a team that leaves Victoria six times in 2023, and they can still complain. No wonder no one liked their dynasty. My goodness <laughs> me. All right, let's get into the positives. Like we said, the first six, Essendon, Sydney away, North, uh, Utahs, Geelong, GWS at Norwood, so call that neutral, Adelaide at Utahs. Call me crazy, but four and two is very possible in my opinion. I'm actually, I reckon we could do better than four and two. <laughs> 
That is optimistic. No, I, I reckon we can. Uh, the Swans at the SCG, we play really well at the SCG. Being a, a Sydney boy who grew up and spent his childhood watching Hawthorne play the Swans once a year at the G, Hawthorne plays well there. Uh, if you go back, you know, 2016, Cyril takes a mark, kicks it from outside 50, we win. 2017, Ruffy kicks a goal with a minute left on the on the clock to put us a goal up. With, with, uh, hang on, hang on. Before you finish that, with, with an outstanding lace-out pass from uh, Hawthorne boom recruit Tyrone Vickery, by the way, from the centre square. You can't, you can't. I know what you were doing there, Timmy, but you couldn't let that one fall by the wayside. It was the only good thing you did in the Hawthorne jumper. So let's recognise it. No, he did well. That was a beautiful. It was a beautiful lace-out kick to old Ruff. Absolutely, it was. Uh, then you had uh, twenty twenty. Uh, would have been twenty twenty one. Duke Newcomb's first ever game where he recorded mm. the equal most tackles uh, in a debut game where we jumped the Swans and uh, and won there. So we actually play really well at the SCG. So it wouldn't surprise me to see Hawthorne pick up that win. Go back to Easter Monday this year, we jumped the Cats. We actually looked really, really good against them and then Noodle did his shoulder and then it became more of a, a slog. Wouldn't surprise me if we're able to knock them off as well. Premiership hangover, first few rounds of the season. So I'm actually really buoyant looking at that that first six weeks. Yeah, we're, we're still the second last team to beat the Cats too. The only recent team being St. Kilda. So uh, you're on notice, AFL. So here, here's the thing, right? Because I've got some Essendon mates. And uh, yes, I'm sorry that I know them fans out there. But again, before you tweet me, um, what, how, how is it sort of a fate accompli that Essendon are going to beat us in round one? I genuinely don't understand this. What are they better than us at? Oh, Peter Wright's going to kick six, six like he did last year. Sam Frost didn't play. He still exists. He's still a good key back. I do not understand this rhetoric around whether it's, you know, I'm associated with guys with YouTube or, you know, the mainstream media. Don't get me started on that. But it's just a fait accompli that Brad Scott's going to start 1-0 and, and go on a, a massive run or whatever it is, given they've got the easiest fixture according to champion data. Nah, no, no, no. Let me tell you, Sam Mitchell's going to have some tricks. It's going to be awesome. I can't wait. Well, James Blank also didn't play in that game. There you mm -hmm. go. There's a big key back that you can put there on Peter Wright. As we know, Blank didn't get picked up till the mid-season draft. And then you have a look. I think in terms of the development of some of our young kids, Connor McDonald, Josh Ward really came along throughout the season. Finn McGuinness, there's, there's four blokes already. And that's not including Carl Amon, who's just come to the club. So there's the fifth. Oh, I'm still trying. I'm still puzzled as to how Essendon beat us. But, mm. you know, I'm sure there'll be many an article between now and then about how Jake Stringer's on fire and he's about to deliver. The package is ready to deliver. Yeah, fin, fin, I'd be going straight to Finn even now and just going, you need to watch all the Zach Merritt tape you've got. If you can take him out of the game, they don't win a clearance anywhere else because Dylan Shield. I honestly believe that in his prime at GWS, if he could kick the footy, he wouldn't want a brand loan, but it's just not come along. And Darcy Parrish gets clearances and, and runs backwards. So I'm just looking forward to seeing how that's going to work uh, against the Hawks. we got to talk about it, mate. North, Sam versus Clarko. Why this is it, Tassie, I've got. This is my gripe uh, for the pure selfish reasons. We could genuinely get one of the biggest crowds at the G for the year for that game. The spite that's going to be from North fans, because of course they're going to enjoy uh, the year no matter what, depending on how they go, of course. But this has just got 
a thing of beauty written all over it. If this isn't on free to wear, I don't know what time it is. I might have a look. That could be the biggest mistake of the year already. 145, I reckon it is. Oh, on a Saturday. That's no way. Dear Channel 7, please get afternoon football back. It's a KO special. That's disgraceful. Yeah, I, I can't understand why you would place that game uh, there. The only reason I can think of is because, obviously, Hawthorne and North are both Tassie tenants at the moment. So in the lead-up to the Tasmanian team coming up, that, that was the only reason I could think that the AFL had fixed it. That one, as you said, you placed that at the MCG. I think this year when we played North in round one, I think there was a crowd of about 38,000 at uh, about 1.10 on a Sunday afternoon. You throw in Clarkson, as I said before, with Northorne, Monkhurst, uh, Liam Shield, Daniel Howe going in. You've also got Harry Sheasel, Hawthorne supporter, playing for North Melbourne. It writes itself. It literally writes itself. And there's, you know, 50, 60,000 you could have on a you know, two o'clock start on a Sunday, a Saturday afternoon. And yeah. uh, the AFL's, yeah, absolutely missed one with that one. Yeah, they absolutely have. All right, just before we head off, mate, let's go uh, ceiling to floor. So this is a, a range as as broad as you want to go uh, towards how many wins. Then I want your exact number and where you think we'll finish on the ladder. And, of course, we couldn't have less information about the Hawks than right now in 2023. So don't hold us to these predictions. Uh, they'll change over time. But what's your range, first of all, mate? Uh, so I, I've got minimum wins down at five. So mm-hmm. from looking at the fixture, minimum five. Yeah. And as I said, I, I'm the eternal optimist. I had maximum wins as 13. I think <laughs> if everything I think if everything clicks, and I keep going back to the Peter Crimmins medal where Sam kept speaking about uh speed in terms of there's you know, there's no factor to being able to get to where we want to go. So there's no speed limit. And I, I looked at some of those kids that we've drafted, obviously Carl Heyman coming in, Mitch Lewis there. You look at all these players who are getting a full preseason. Peter Burge has come in as a high performance manager. So you know, Chad Wingard is still fit as it, at the time that we're speaking, uh, which is great. So hopefully he gets through the, the preseason. And, yeah, I'm very buoyant about the season coming up. Five to 13, I like it. So I've got, I've gone a bit, I'm, I'm, in, I'm within your range. I'm a six to 10 man. Uh, I, I, I agree with you. To think that we get an extra game and we're going to drop four wins as proposed by some, I know everyone's thinking right now, Daz, don't be watching TikTok and getting your footy opinions on there. But of the three ladder predictions I've seen, we're last in all of them with records like 3-20 and 4-19. and Someone tell me how this is happening. It's not happening, I promise you. I'll be your midfield's bad. It was bad last year. We still won eight games. Someone explain this to me. I am going nine. Uh, that's, I think, 9 and 14, and I reckon we're probably going to end up 12th or 13th again, and we're going to get our single-digit pick, uh, Zane Dersma, called it here first, and we're going to get Will McCabe, and then watch us hit finals in 2024. Where do you stand, mate? How many wins? Give me a one number, and then give me a ladder position. Uh, 10 wins, so 10 wins and 13 losses, and 11th on the ladder. 11th. Or as uh, some fans call it, no man's land. But in Sam, we trust. Mate, thank you so much for joining us. We know there are things about the fixture that fans are going to be upset about. But let me tell you, mate, it's already December and I cannot legitimately wait for the footy to start. Uh, The test cricket at the moment, it's a little bit boring given the fact that Australia are 
pumped the West Indies a couple of times. Maybe South Africa will uh, get us through the summer. But it's been a, a pleasure having a chat, mate. And I hope we can uh, have you back on soon. Absolutely. Thanks very much, Daz. As I'm looking forward to 2023, the sky's the limit for the Hawks. Absolutely it is. And like we said, fans, this might be the last time we reach you before Christmas or probably will be for Timmy and I. So if you do celebrate the holidays, we hope you have a very Merry Christmas or whatever particular holiday that you may celebrate. May it be shared with anyone and everyone that you love in the world. If you don't celebrate the holidays, hey, 2022, she's almost done and you can still wear sleeves in December. Good things are happening at the moment. Let me tell you, all we can say here from Talking Hawks is enjoy what is going on at the moment and we hope you enjoy the rest of 2022, 2023. It's going to be not only the year of the Hawk, but the year of Talking Hawks. Let me tell you, make sure you're following the podcast wherever you are listening. Get over to YouTube, click that subscribe button. And hey, while you're on a roll, Twitter, Facebook, just a like and a follow there as well. Let's get these numbers up and expand the Talking Hawks family. If you're after a bit of a 2023 footy fix, I've just released on my personal YouTube channel, Daz Talks Footy, a predictions video in collaboration with fellow Talking Hawks alumnus Smithy, the great man himself, YouTubers, Pommy and Oz, The Center Bounce, and Saints TV, and of course, my on-air radio partner at Audible PFM, AJ King as well, and geez, doesn't it get wild? There's an all-Australian full forward pick Timmy, I'm not sure if you've seen the video that would knock your socks off, but Hawks fans, we hope you've enjoyed. I'm going to stop rambling. Let's get out of here. Look after yourselves, look after each other, and most of all, go the Hawks. Hawks.